Morning, friends. How are you? It's great to see you today. Um, hey, I want to mention that uh, Judy's mom's name is Shirley and that she's been a shut-in for many years, but did attend our church uh, for years before that. Hasn't been able to be with us on Sundays for a while, but, um, um, but did attend Cedar Mill Bible Church for a long time. So we're going we're gonna to miss Shirley, but also we're going to just thank God for her life and pray for Judy and Dick. Hey, um, we're going to get into our message today, but first of all, I want to ask, how many of you have been enjoying the Olympics? How's like the like addiction recovery program, now that it's ending, going to go for you? It, because if you're like me, um, like you just go for like a full-on binge watch of the Olympics for two weeks. We're huge fans of the Olympics on every night, like catching the highlights and the recap and the, you know, all the things. And we just love watching the Olympics, you know, anytime they're on. And so these last few weeks have been a lot of fun. Um, and I wanted to share with you my very favorite, every year during the Olympics, there's a moment or two that stands out to me. And this year, there was this wonderful moment. It's my favorite moment of the games. Some of you have seen this. But no one thought this girl could win. Even the media had stopped covering the event, assuming someone else had already won, when all of a sudden, Esther Ledecka, this Czech snowboarder who was competing as a skier in the women's Super G, um, kind of as almost an afterthought, really, was, didn't think she had any kind of a chance. She comes down the hill, she shocks everyone, including herself, and wins gold. This is my favorite, and I just, her response is priceless. So, my favorite Olympic moment. If you have seen it, enjoy it again. If you have not seen it yet, take a look. The Dutchka, five gates or six gates from home, comes up with a massive mistake. It's been brilliant until then. The Dutchka tucks fell alive. 121 12. What another recovery from the youngster. Oh! She's taken the gold. She has taken gold. The Dutchka from the Czech Republic cannot believe it. She cannot believe it, nor can we. <laughs> Isn't that the best? I have watched that so many times and I never get tired of it. Just to look on her face. Like she's looking at the board. It says she just won the gold medal. It's not computing. She doesn't believe it. You know, she just skied her brains out and yet she still had no chance to win. She just won the gold medal. Like, wow, unbelievable. I just thought in this world where everyone who wins is kind of like, yeah, I knew it. Aren't I amazing? To just watch her stand there in complete and utter disbelief. Oh, so, so good. Um, and I've been thinking about it this week. It's kind of what our series is about, too. Uh, because when we come to God, when we give our lives to Jesus, there are some things that we expect, uh, some things that we anticipate, uh, hope for at the very least. We expect forgiveness. We're promised forgiveness. We expect salvation. Maybe we expect community and growth and morality and rules and ethics. But all of a sudden, somewhere along our journey, we realize that God wants to offer us something more. That there's actually something that we didn't expect, and that's God's personal presence and power. And that those things are available to us all the time through the Holy Spirit. There's this sudden 
or maybe slow realization that we aren't just set adrift with a new set of rules and a ticket to heaven, but that the very Spirit of God himself comes in to guide and direct and lead and empower us to live the kinds of lives we read about in the Bible. And so maybe for you, for me, for us, in some way, this, ways, this series is sort of like that moment for Esther where you stand and go, wow, there's more than I even expected. There is this life available to followers of Jesus called life in the Spirit. And this morning, we're going to continue our series by talking about listening to the Spirit. Today, we're talking about listening to the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, Jesus is telling his followers, his closest disciples and friends and companions, that he is going away. But in the same breath, he tells them, it's good, it's a good thing, because when I go, I will send the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to you. And here's what Jesus says. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus himself tells his followers that the Holy Spirit is going to be sent to guide and lead their lives. That the Spirit is going to speak to them. And I bring this up, friends, right away in the very front of the message this morning. Because for many followers of Jesus... For many Christ followers in churches like our church, it feels very presumptuous to say something like, God spoke to me. God spoke to me. God said something to me. God told me this. Like, like first of all, it feels kind of like bragging, doesn't it? To say something like that, to say, God spoke to me. Like sometimes we feel like maybe that's a way of communicating. I must be someone really important that the God of the universe would speak to me. And so we, we feel like that's not appropriate. We feel like that's in some way uh, arrogant. Second, maybe another thing that holds you back from sort of embracing this reality that God speaks to us and that he wants to speak to you is... Maybe you've seen a number of people on the news who claim that God spoke to them, and they all seem to be fairly crazy. And so you don't want to associate with them, not sure that you want to be lumped into the God speaks to me camp of Christians in any way, and so you avoid, avoid this kind of language or experience even. And then and third and finally, some of us, and I'm guessing maybe even many of us, would say yes. I do believe God can and wants to speak to us through the Holy Spirit. But if I'm honest, I don't really live like that. I don't often experience the Spirit speaking to me. I don't in any kind of regular way hear the voice of God in my life. Now, if that's you today, I want to tell you that you're not alone. Some of you have heard of Eugene Peterson. He's a very well-respected Bible scholar who actually authored a translation of the Bible called The Message. Eugene was being introduced at a pastor's conference once, and the pastor who was introducing him to him said, I want to introduce you to the guy who wrote the Bible. 
Eugene Peterson, right? Like, it's kind of a joke, right? It's just a translation. He didn't actually write it, but, but still, Eugene is one of these people who's very well-known and respected for his deep, intimate connection with God and with the scriptures, and yet, even Eugene Peterson acknowledges and said this, even though I've been well-schooled in the scriptures, he says, when it came to relationship with God, being with God, listening to and answering God, I knew that I needed help. And friends, I think a lot of us need help. We need help listening to the Holy Spirit's voice because God wants to speak to us and we desperately need to hear him. Maybe you're here this morning and you know that to be true. I desperately need to hear him, to hear from him. Or maybe you're so used to just going it alone that you've forgotten how desperate you really are. Friends, I think a lot of us need help. We need help listening to the Holy Spirit's voice because God wants to speak and we need to hear. In his book, Hearing God, Dallas Willard tells the story of a young child whose mother dies, leaving him in a state of high anxiety, sort of in an um, inconsolable state. This young boy, especially at night, could not sleep. As he felt alone and abandoned, he would come into the room where his father was and he would ask his father to sleep with him. And he would never rest until he knew not only that his father was with him, but that his father's face was turned towards him. He would ask in the dark, Father, is your face turned toward me now? And when his father would say yes, then at last the boy could find some peace and he would be able to sleep. Willard then writes, We can get by in life with a God who does not speak. Many at least think they do, but it is not much of a life, and it's certainly not the life God intends for us. There is all the difference in the world between having a fine general view that this is our Father's world versus having confidence based on experience that the Father's face whether in the dark of the night or the brightness of the day, is turned toward us, shining upon us, and that the Father is speaking to us individually. Now, one question that comes up anytime we talk about the Holy Spirit speaking to us is always the Scriptures. And the question gets phrased a whole lot of different ways, but I'll ask it like this. Isn't the Bible the real way God speaks to us? I mean, we are people of the word. We have the scriptures. Isn't that all we need? And I want to be very clear this morning in saying, yes, God communicates to us through the scriptures. We are Cedar Mill Bible Church for a reason. We teach the Bible, believe in the Bible, proclaim the Bible, rely on the Bible. We love the word of God. And yet, in the scriptures themselves, God communicates to us that there are a lot of ways he wants to communicate with us. In fact, if we go to the Bible, the Bible tells us that God speaks through Jesus, Scripture, creation, nature, times of prayer, listening, prophecy, dreams, visions, angels, audible voices, circumstances, gut feelings, and even intuition, all in the Scriptures. See, friends, the Bible 
has been always given to us to help and support and encourage and frame and direct our relationship with God, but it was never intended to replace our relationship with God. Here's my point. The Bible itself says don't limit God's voice to the Bible itself. So if we really want to be biblical, we will seek to hear from God and to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, everything that God says will line up with the scriptures, and we'll talk more about that in a bit. But God speaks in a lot of different ways, and let me tell you why this matters. Let me tell you why this is so important for you and your life and the direction that God wants to give you as you walk through your journey on this earth. The scriptures speak generally, but not specifically. Listen carefully to what I'm saying and don't misunderstand. The scriptures offer general direction for our lives, but not specific direction for our lives. In other words, the Bible can tell you what kind of person to marry, but not if you should choose Ted or Bill. The Bible can tell you what it looks like to live in community, to be deeply connected to other people through the bride of Christ, but not who specifically to invest your time in. The Bible can help shape and guide you in your understanding of your gifts and abilities and passions, but it will not tell you to take job A or job B after the interviews are over. Some of you are students, and you are here, and you're in the process of picking classes or maybe even selecting a college to go to. Hear me clearly. The scriptures are great. They are true and rich and full of life, and they will guide you into knowing God and living for him. But they will not tell you whether you should take physics or chemistry. The Bible never says anything about the University of Oregon versus Washington State, although I think we can all agree we know which state God likes best. It's funny the things that get an amen in church, isn't it? (laughs) Often when we read the Bible, friends, hear this. Often when we read the Bible, the Spirit will speak to us and give us specific guidance and direction for our lives. You hear that? When we read the Bible, we can get specific direction for our lives. But how? Because the Spirit speaks to us as we read the Scriptures. The scriptures themselves say, let the Spirit illuminate the scriptures into your life. That's how we get specific direction. It's through the power of the Spirit. Again, all this to say, here is the big question. Is this a book about a God who speaks or about a God who is withdrawn and silent? Is this a book about a God who's disengaged or a God who wants to lead and guide his people. Is this a book merely about history, a text about an ancient religion, or does it contain centuries of firsthand testimony that God continually communicates with and leads his people? I think we all know the answer. John Eldridge says, the Bible is a book filled with examples of what it looks like to walk with the living God. See, the Bible says the same spirit that 
led and directed and spoke to the very first followers of Jesus, wants to speak to you and me today. So again, friends, if we want to be biblical, if we want to be a Bible church, then we will embrace the reality and the fact that the Holy Spirit speaks and he wants to speak to us as followers of Christ. So if that's the case, then how? How do we hear? How can we hear and be led by the Spirit of God? I want to offer you some things this morning. First of all, hearing requires repentance. Now, often when we hear the word repentance, it's kind of a loaded word, and we think of sort of this old school Turner Burn preacher shouting at us from the street corner or out in front of the motor center that if we do not turn away from our wicked ways, we will burn in hell. And so the word repentance is sort of automatically associated with that sort of a thing, or maybe with an enormous sin in your life, this huge sort of wayward move um, kind of in the opposite direction of God, and there's this word repent, repent, repent. And yet I want to suggest this morning to you that repentance is a far more common thing we must learn to consistently do as followers of Jesus if we want to walk in the spirit Jesus launches his entire ministry and he says repent for the kingdom of God is at hand for the kingdom of heaven is near in other words turn away from life on your own without God and embrace a new life with and for God just turn back to doing life with God friends that's a turn that I have to make 10 times a day and I promise that's the same thing is true for you friends one of the central ways that we turn towards a life with God is by embracing and expecting the Holy Spirit to speak and lead in our lives. See, most of the time I live my life and you live your life this way, just sort of expecting to do it on my own, not expecting or listening, uh, not expecting God to speak or listening for his voice in any way. And God says, repent, turn back towards living a different way, living with new expectations and with open ears to hear my voice. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, there's this very short, direct, and pointed verse that's written to the church, to every single person who follows Jesus Christ as Lord. It simply says this, Do not quench the Spirit. And I love that word, quench. Do not quench the Spirit. What's, what's the thing we most often associate with the word quench? What do we quench? And what do we quench it with? Gatorade, right? Uh, no, yeah. The idea is, is that we quench our thirst. In other words, once we put water down our throats, our thirst goes away. It's quenched. And that's what this little word means. It means to suppress, to stifle, or extinguish. And the biblical image is actually the image of pouring water on the remaining embers of a campfire before you walk away or go to sleep. Paul says, don't quench the Spirit. Don't put out the fire of the Holy Spirit that wants to speak into your life. Don't stifle that. Don't suppress it. Not in any way. Friends, there's a lot of ways that we can quench the Spirit, but here are just a couple. We can quench the Spirit by simply being skeptical that He speaks. And this is 
maybe applying to a number of us in the room. We can just be skeptical that, that the Spirit would speak and that He would speak to us. And I am not talking about wrestling with doubt or uncertainty. That's normal. And the Scriptures give plenty of room for that. What I'm talking about here is embracing an attitude that says, I do not think the Bible is right about this. I do not believe that the Spirit speaks to people and that the Spirit can speak to me. And when we we buy into that and we embrace that posture and that attitude, I believe we quench the Spirit. And friends, when we quench the Spirit in this way, often I think this involves a judgmental or critical spirit, even condemnation for others who walk with God or hear Him differently than we do. It's sort of a an attitude of pride, because that's what lies behind that in my mind. It's just the sin of pride. We get threatened or insecure about our own experience with God, and so we just put up walls, and we sometimes even try to use the Bible to invalidate other people's experience with God so we don't have to feel as bad or insecure about our own experience with Him. And that quenches the Spirit, and the thing that's behind that sort of thing is simply this, pride. The Holy Spirit wants nothing to do with pride. This is what it says in Psalm 25. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. By the way, see, you see sin. God never shies away from sin. He wants to take on sin. He wants to tear down sin. But he says this. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. See, when we're humble, we open up doors for the Spirit. We let the Spirit flow. And we say, I will not embrace a posture of pride that quenches the Spirit. I will choose humility. And humility says, guess what? My experience isn't the only experience. Guess what? I have a thing or two to learn. Guess what? I could even learn a thing or two from you. From you. That's humility. Hearing requires repentance. God, I'm sorry for my attitude. It's repentance. God, I'm sorry for my posture. I'm sorry for my self-sufficiency that I keep getting back in the rowboat and trying to do it on my own. God, I want to turn to you. I want to hear from you. Please, let me be led by you. Help me hear your voice. The next thing hearing requires may seem simple and yet perhaps the most important thing. Hearing requires listening. Can I get an amen from every wife in the worship center this morning? (laughs) Hearing requires listening. My wife was in first service. She did not amen, which made me feel good. Maybe she's just given up. I don't know. Uh, Let me define listening for you real quick because we're not just talking about hearing the audible voice of God. It means... Listening means this. Listening means I want to be communicated to by you. It means I want to get the message. It means I am open to hearing. It means I'm going to intentionally take the time and energy required to tune into your voice. You know, in preparation for my message this morning, I read a number of authors and also talked with a ton of different people, some from our congregation who are, quite frankly, farther along in their journey of listening to the Spirit than I am. One woman said this, 
For most of my life, prayer involved asking Jesus a general question, saying amen, and then going off to do my life instead of waiting and listening for an answer. She talked about how even that very practice sort of assumed that God would never speak back, that prayer was just a one-way deal. Her example was, you would never do that with a person you are in a relationship with. You don't ask your spouse, what do you want for dinner, and then walk away, not having listened, and just do your own thing. And yet, that is often how we treat God. That is often how we talk to God. That is the sum total of many prayer lives in this room. And it's been true for me at times as well. One author I read this week said it this way. For much of my Christian journey, I was totally unaware of the shepherd's voice. For me, prayer amounted to leaving phone messages on God's answering machine. Faith was akin to hoping that God would eventually check his messages. The fruit of this attitude was terrible. It isolated me from personal friendship with God and instilled a hopeless fatalism into my prayer life. You ever do that? You ever just lob a lot of things at God, like he's way up there and you're leaving messages for him and you just put them on his answering machine and you're thinking, man, I hope he picks these up. I hope he sees things my way. I hope he does what I'm asking. I've done that. The irony is this. Jesus says, God's not up there. He's right here. That the Holy Spirit has come to live with and in us. That he's right alongside of us in everything we are facing and experiencing in this world. No messages need to be left. He's in the room. You see, part of the reason I believe most of us are fooled into operating this way is that we've been trained to believe that God does not answer back. That he does not speak that you that we cannot hear his voice and that the people who do are just weird but here's another reason and maybe this is the deeper reason control you see when i do all the talking i set the agenda when i ask the questions and i make the requests i get to determine the subjects we talk about and the subjects that we don't but when I start to listen to God, all of a sudden now he gets to set the agenda. He starts to have control of our conversations and then even my life, which by the way, friends, isn't that the whole point? That God gets to be God, that Jesus gets to be Lord, that he's behind the steering wheel of my life and not me. You see, friends, so many of us are so used to driving the car and Jesus says, why don't you move over into the passenger seat? One guy from our congregation says this, it is not about plugging into God so that I can have my needs, wants, and desires met. He is not a cosmic Santa Claus who is there to do my bidding it's about submitting my will to God's agenda for me. God's agenda for me. It's about being obedient to whatever God has in store for me. This means prayer is no longer just a string of requests, but questions I ask God. Certainly, God says, make your requests known. But that is only one part of our relationship. God says, come to me 
with your life, with your feelings, with your struggles, with your questions. Come to me and just listen. God, why am I feeling this way? What do you want to say to me about this? What do you want me to hear? Lord, I don't even know what I need today. Help me see today what I truly need. God, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm sensing. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm facing. What do you want to tell me about that? Is there anything else we need to talk about right now? Again, a wise woman from our church There's nothing in life that restores my soul like the times when I've shared my real stuff with Jesus and invited him to give direction. You see, hearing requires listening, and listening often requires space. There's a great story in the Old Testament where God is is interacting with uh, this Old Testament prophet named Elijah. And he's teaching Elijah how to follow his lead, how to hear his voice. And there's this wonderful story where Elijah goes up on a mountain. What's great about this story, and this is what we often forget, is that it comes right on the heels of this other amazing story. This story where Elijah goes head to head with like hundreds of like false prophets, these prophets of this other god named Baal. And they're head to head in this battle. And there's this huge altar and there's water on this altar. And it's like, whose god can like burn the altar up? And they're both praying. And finally, in the end, Elijah prays. And the prophets of Baal pray. Nothing happens. Elijah prays. And God comes down and consumes this altar. And I just, you know, I don't know how it went. This is a little bit extra biblical. But I imagine Elijah being like, boom, mic drop. Take that. I'm out. Like, what you got for me now, prophets of Baal? Right? He must be feeling great. Like, God just rolls and speaks. And he's loud and brash. But then right after this, God takes Elijah up on the mountain and he says, Elijah, I need, maybe we need to do like some retraining on how I generally speak to people. How I'm usually going to speak to you. And up on the mountain, there is this huge wind. The Bible says it's like a rock and boulder shattering wind. It's that powerful. It's that strong. It's that loud. But we're told the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And the point is this. We often want God to scream down into the middle of our noisy, chaotic lives, but instead he is calling us to find a quiet space to tune in and listen to his voice. You know, last week, if you were here, we talked about how life in the Spirit involves knowing yourself. Self-knowledge is a huge part of walking intimately with God and with the Spirit. Here's why. Because the Spirit longs to have a relationship with us. And half of the relationship is you. (laughs) You see, it's not one-sided. It's two-sided. It's God-sided and you-sided. So half of the equation is how are you wired up to connect with the Spirit of God? This is why you have some freedom. 
to connect with God differently than the people around you. Not every single person in this room connects with God in the same way. In fact, I would argue that every single person in this room connects with God in a slightly different way. So let me ask you this. Where do you find space? What does it look like for you to be quiet before God and hear his still small voice? How does listening to the Holy Spirit work best for you? You see, sometimes we're, we think it's just about getting into a room by ourselves where it's quiet and there's candles lit. And I'm sure that works for some of you in this room. It's never really worked for me. My quiet place tends to be these days out running on a trail through Forest Park all by myself or driving somewhere alone in my car with the radio turned off and my cell phone in the glove box. You see, there's something about just a little activity that allows my mind to churn on something different and relax and hear the voice of God. Those are quiet places for me. Here's another thing. Hearing requires faith. Hearing requires faith. Don't miss this part. One of the biggest questions for Jesus followers that I hear and find is, how do I know? How do I know that I'm hearing from God and it's not just my own thinking, my own thoughts? It's not just some message that society has sort of implanted in on my soul and now it's sort of coming back out and I'm confusing that with the voice of God. Well, first of all, I just want to say this. I'm pretty sure the God of the universe has the ability to merge his thinking with your thinking. He is the God of the universe after all. So the two things are not always mutually exclusive. Just because you thought it doesn't mean it does not come from God. Maybe he gave you the thought. Maybe his thoughts and your thoughts came together and that's the thought. Maybe you thought it up all by yourself and God just went, you know what? That's a good thought. I affirm it. It's from me as well. Who knows how he does it? But to think that just because you think it, it can't be from God is a pretty closed-minded perspective. But the real answer is, I believe this. I believe faith is what's needed. Trust is what's needed. If we want to know that God is speaking to us, we must exercise faith. We must learn to trust. Here's what the Bible says. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who what? Earnestly seek him. You see, faith, here's what faith means. Faith means I'm not 100% sure. Faith means there's got to be some risk. There's some uncertainty. I'm stepping out into unknown territory. In other words, we must trust. We must take a chance and practice hearing the voice of God. We must trust in God enough to know that if we seek his voice, he's not going to let us hear a bunch of weird voices and go off down a wrong path. It's about trusting him, not trusting yourself. It's about trusting that he is sovereign and good. And even over those moments where you're listening to the voice of the Spirit. This, friends, requires practice. 
Hearing the voice of the Spirit requires practice. In John chapter 10, Jesus talks about how sheep know the voice of the shepherd. Right? How sheep can tune in and they get the voice of the shepherd. But the sheep don't know the voice of the shepherd on day one. They've learned the voice of the shepherd over days and weeks and months and even years of listening to their shepherd's call. And Jesus says, my sheep, my followers will know my voice as well. And so we must get used to hearing the voice of the shepherd. We must practice and get to know his voice. One of the ways we do this, one of the ways we can have increased confidence during these times of practice is through knowing the scriptures. The Bible is the word of God and so the spirit will never say anything to us that contradicts the word of God. In other words, if you get to know the scriptures, then you'll know the kinds of things God says. You'll know the kind of God he is. And so that when the Spirit speaks to you, you can say, yep, that sounds like God. That's the God I know. That's a voice that lines up with the voice of Scripture. And then you can follow it. You know what? If, God, if you think God is speaking to you, and you say, I think the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. I think the Holy Spirit is telling me this. And you check it with Scripture, and it lines up with Scripture. It's within the bandwidth of Scripture, and then you obey, and you follow what, the, what you believe the Spirit said in line with Scripture, and it turns out later that wasn't God at all. It was just a bad burrito. Guess what? You still followed Scripture. You have nothing to really lose. Take a chance. Walk by faith. Practice hearing his voice and knowing what it sounds like. Here's another thing. God's voice will always sound like God. God's voice will always be life-giving and freeing and encouraging and affirming and joyful and kind and transformational. Now, does this mean that God will never challenge you or rebuke you or call you to repent? Absolutely he will. But he will not do it in a way that discourages or isolates or beats you up. God is not in the guilt and shame business. If you think you're hearing the Spirit of God and that voice is filled with guilt and shame, discouragement, isolation, not from the Lord. God doesn't say things like, you're the worst. I can't believe you did that. You really are a failure and a terrible person. That is not God. God says things like, that is not the life that I want for you. You were created for so much more than this. I love you. I forgive you. And I am calling you to turn back and follow me. Friends, we must practice hearing the voice of God. We must practice listening to the Spirit. And that's actually how I'd like for us to close today. This morning, instead of just a sermon about listening to God, I want to invite us to take a step of faith and to, for just a few moments to practice together listening. To try and hear the voice of God through the Holy Spirit this morning. Now I know, as the shuffling begins, that for some of you, this is exciting. For some of you, you're thinking, finally, it's about time, let's do this thing, you're all pumped. Others of you might be thinking, you know, this is getting a little weird. 
And I just want to say a word about the whole weird thing. Because it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, think about why we're here. We're here because we believe there's a God, an all-powerful supreme being who lives outside this world. So if that's really true, to think that God would act in a way that's supernatural, that's a little bit outside the box, that might even be a little weird, is only to be logical and expected, right? If things never get weird in church, it's probably not really church. Now you're really nervous, aren't you? I'm not going to get that weird. It's Cedar Mill. Come on. Um, but yeah, sometimes things with God are outside of the box and outside of what we can predict and control. That's who God is. Do you ever read the Bible? There's some really weird stuff in there. I also want to say that God wants to meet us in this place. That God embraces all those feelings that you have. If this feels scary or intimidating or uncomfortable or you're not even sure you buy it yet, that's fine. God's big enough to handle all of that stuff. But no matter where you are, I just want to invite you to try this out. The worst thing that can happen this morning is this. In a few minutes, when we end the service and all walk out of here, you will walk out saying, I heard nothing. But guess what? You'll never know unless you ask. So in just a few minutes, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to ask you to do this in just a few minutes. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And in your mind, I want you to just talk to God. Just have a conversation with him. I just want you to share with God about your life, what you faced last week or maybe what you have coming up this week. If there's something exciting that you're looking forward to, or if there's anything you're anxious or stressed or uncertain about. Maybe you need to talk with God this morning about a relationship in your life. A relationship with an aging parent or a wayward son or daughter. Maybe this is a chance to talk about a friendship that's going through something or a marriage or a relationship at work. Whatever it is, ask God to bring to mind what he wants to discuss and then just share with him about as honestly as you can your life. And then after a few minutes of just sharing with God, telling him what you're going through, telling him how you're feeling, ask God this question. It's a very simple question. God, what do you want to say? Is there anything you want to tell or show me this morning? And maybe God will speak to you. Maybe he will offer you a word or a sentence or an image or a picture, even just an impression. Maybe a passage will come to mind or a lyric from a song. But just invite God to communicate to you what he wants to say, however he wants to say it. And then if he does, if he speaks, if he brings something to your mind in some way, even if you just think maybe, just maybe, that might have been from God, take a step of faith and write it down. Grab a pencil, grab a pen. This is where it gets awkward because the people around you are like, the person next to me is writing something down. They heard from God. That's okay. Again, we are here to hear from God. That's why we've come. So if he speaks to you, great. Even if you think maybe, just maybe, he's speaking something to you, just write that thing down. Jot it on your bulletin or a piece of scratch paper. And again, if you are tempted to think this is just me, it's just my thoughts, 
I'm just making something up. This is contrived. Remember that the God of the universe has the power to merge his thoughts with your thoughts and use even kind of awkward moments that Pastor Dave creates to do his work. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to spend just a few minutes listening. And if you receive something, write it down. And then we're going to continue and close our service with some worship. So let me pray, and then we can all listen together. Father, this morning we turn to you. We remember together again how good and strong and faithful you are. We declare that we are saved by grace. By the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are forgiven and given new life. That it's a gift from you. That there's nothing we can do to earn it. That you have made a way for us to be your children again. Lord, as a church, we repent for not trusting and listening more. And we ask that you would speak to us now. We ask that you would turn our hearts back to you, that you would take away the doubts or fears or insecurities, whatever it is that's preventing us from hearing from you, Lord, that you would tear those things down, that you would give us freedom to believe that we can hear from you. Holy Spirit, we say it together. You are welcome in this place. You are welcome in our lives. You are welcome in this church. And we invite you now to guide and direct us and speak to us as we pray. And we pray it all in the wonderful, powerful, precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.